Hey everyone, it's Lucas. Thank you for pressing play on our very first podcast out of many to come. As a brand new podcast, we welcome and encourage your feedback. This feedback can be given to us via Instagram DM, Facebook Messenger, or in our Discord server, which can be found in our Linktree link found in our Instagram and Twitter bios at LUAW underscore podcast. That's enough from me. Fasten your seatbelts. Your weekly aviation discussion is here. 3787 Welcome everyone, you're listening to the Light Up Away podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Jared, and a little bit about myself, I'm a recent college graduate, a private pilot, aviation enthusiast, and I work in QA at a local software company. And my name is Evan, I am a currently a student pilot, and I aspire to be an airline pilot one day. I'm Lucas, I am also a student pilot, and I also aspire to be an airline pilot one day. And I'm also a bowler, so there's something a little bit about me. You know, bowling is just something I personally enjoy, but uh, we have a lot of... Me too, even though I'm not too good at it. Anyone should. Hey, bowling is fun. Yeah. It's always fun, yeah. But anyways, we're here... Back to aviation. Yeah, we're here for anything and everything aviation. We have a lot of great things to discuss tonight. So with that, let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right, so the first... Uh topic that I think we should start talking about, which is something that we've all experienced ever since the start of COVID, is definitely the uh, mass cancellation and uh, delays that we've been experiencing within flying with airlines. And um, so this is primarily caused by regional airlines more than mainline, specifically to smaller cities because less people are trying to travel to these smaller cities. So the uh, regional carriers like CRJ200, ERJ145 um, carriers like SkyWest, Envoy, whatever, um, are seeing a lot of mass cancellation within this realm of airline travel because of this lack of demand for these routes. And I think that's a huge problem because one, there is the government mandated, or maybe not mandated, but... Um, Air transportation. I don't know what it's called. What's the what's the um, the government thing where uh, it's required that we have transportation to these smaller cities? So you're talking about the essential air yeah, service. Yeah, yeah, essential right? air service. That's it. And whenever you have essential air service routes that nobody's fly or hardly anyone's flying on, like I've I've known people that have been on uh, Embraer's and CRJs with like two other passengers going to some tiny city in North Dakota or something. <clears throat> I think I think <laughs> I think it really depends. I mean, you know, the essential air service in my opinion is extremely important, but but I don't want to get too off topic. I think that's another discussion we yeah, can true, have. True. Um but yeah, the thing to notice is first, again, as you said Evan, regional airlines are the main I guess culprit if you will. I mean, American Definitely. and United parked over 100 of their aircraft each and the vast majority of these if not all these are e-145 crj 200s mm -hmm. um the other thing is you know we are talking about staffing shortages if we remember you know when covid first hit all these oh, airlines yeah. were offering 
yeah, they were offering exit packages. They were offering, like, I remember like Delta got about, I think it was around 20% of their pilots to just, to just leave because they were (laughs) being offered a, what supposedly was a really nice retirement package, which which really helped. Yeah. Although, yeah, all the more experienced pilots, the ones that have been there for a a longer period of time, they ended up taking early retirements. Um, And as a result, you know, to Delta's credit, they didn't furlough anybody. Um, I guess that's what I call the Delta difference. But but fast forward to today, you know, everyone's pointing fingers at everybody else. Yeah. Um, The airlines are pointing fingers at the FAA saying that there's an air traffic controller shortage. Um, Particularly, they're saying that. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, we had the air traffic control bid, you know, just close up a few days ago. Um, Tens of thousands of people apply for this job. And um, there are facilities, you know, out there that are short staffed, but not to the extent that it would cause delays. And most certainly not to the extent of what the airlines are experiencing today. I mean, you see, you see the, you see like United, for example, how they have this giant group of like 25 year olds who are immediately going in to fly the 757-767 and it just goes to show how like they're hurting after after this like sort of covid recession that we're seeing here is like which that also leads to the issue of this domino effect happens when those that aircraft group is typically flown by the older more senior pilots exactly and when you have those young pilots going straight into those roles that leads to lack experience pilots in there's a lack of pilots and lack of experience in either the higher roles or the lower roles like 737 crjs all that type of stuff yeah so you get this domino effect where that's a big part of where these delays and cancellations are happening yeah and but well i don't sorry yeah like well i don't well i don't think that having younger pilots like in a, on, at a legacy carrier like United or Delta, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think yeah, you certainly, know, they're, they're certainly tra- not. Their their training processes are very thorough, so so I have complete faith in their training process. And you know, it is lengthy, understandably so. But my issue is that these training resources, particularly at Delta, just as an example, they were cut by around I think it was around twenty or twenty five percent, and. You know, shortening the training process is absolutely not the answer. But what is the answer is expanding uh, the training resources at these airlines. Um, you know, I went to school with a bunch of guys who want to be pilots. Yeah. They're current, you know, and some of these guys that I know, they already have their thousand hours to get to the airlines. But when some of them have conditional job offers, the problem is that a lot of the regional airlines like SkyWest and Endeavor, they're backed up. Oh yeah. And when I say backed up in term and when I say backed up, I mean like they're not going to ground school until, you know, April, May, even June of next year. Like that's just crazy. I I can't that, that just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean like so why do you why do you think resources. we see all these pilots going to the big carriers right away? Yeah, exactly. And you know, another Another thing that's being done to, I guess, solve this shortage is um, United, you know, and how they created their flight school. Yeah. And, you know, this is I something that's, that's going to work in the. Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea, but we should be cognizant of the fact that it's a long term solution more than it is a yeah, short term solution. Exactly. Yeah. Because, like, you're going to you're going to have all these like brand new, you know, private pilot, barely certified people going through the school. Of who are eventually, I mean, they have to sign some kind of like contract with United, right? For a certain amount of years or something. How does that work? I think, 
I, I'm not 100% sure as to how that works. Well, there's, there's got to be some kind of like, I, I sign here, I pledge to work for you for, because they're paying for all their certifications and everything. So I would assume that there's some kind of. Um, I believe United is paying for their private pilot training, like if they don't have that already. But I think the the responsibility for paying for flight training is out of their pocket. I, oh, I really? could be wrong. Yeah, but I mean that. But you bring up a good point of like how yeah. you know there are there are a lot of pathway programs at colleges and universities all over the country for pilots. So there are plenty of opportunities to get involved early mm-hmm. on. Like I know a guy who um, he started college about a year after I did, and he already has he's he's not even a flight instructor yet he just got his he just passed his commercial check ride he has a conditional job offer from republic um and really? he's going to be yeah he's going to be an rjet ambassador or a republic ambassador i believe and um you know he's he's doing really well and he's going to get his thousand hours and he's going to be off to the airlines but that's more of a longer term yeah. thing than a short term and that also thing. goes back to the the thing this uh, regional thing like we're seeing the, these pilots who are in these pathway programs all across the U.S. who are like their main goal. Their main goal in this program is to make it to flying a CRJ-200 or to make it to flying an E-145 for an Envoy SkyWest. And it kind of, I guess, would to some degree increase the demand of or in, increase the supply of pilots for these regional carriers. But that still doesn't go anywhere to... Um, change the fact yeah. that we we don't have enough people who are willing to fly on these airplanes that's why you see little tiny little carriers like boutique who are flying a pc-12 but they're only carrying eight passengers and it's super profitable because these people are paying 150 200 for the plane ticket and as opposed to flying this giant crj they're flying a tiny little pilatus which burns like 500 pounds an hour may probably less than that actually one thing that I think Lucas, you brought this up. Was um, in our previous discussions was the retirement age um, possibly being raised from sixty-five, I believe it is, to sixty-eight or something like that. Uh, sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. Okay, so um, in any event, raising the retirement age. Do you? Wh- what do you think about that? I think it could be a smart idea, uh, especially with these airlines. The, the train process has been so long to where airlines are losing pilots faster than they're getting yep. them trained and put into the the main line and the and on active routes um if you're trying to combat that one of the main issues because pilots are getting old they're turning 65 they're not being able to fly anymore and so they're having to retire if you're trying to keep pilots flying and decrease the amount of pilots leaving airlines you need to increase that retirement age to help fix this issue of staff shortaging, especially with the more experienced. Yeah, and I think it also can be twisted to where maybe not necessarily the retirement age, but you have a bunch of younger pilots who are leaving the airline, one because of the working conditions, but also because there's better opportunity. Like I know a handful of guys that used to fly for, uh, I don't remember if it was, I think it was commuter. Or no, 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 it wasn't commuter. It was... um. What was the it was trans trans state airline? What was the tiny the tiny um regional that United used to own that flew A one forty fives out of like Chicago? Was it trans? I think it was trans state yeah. or something like that. Water ski or whatever it was, yeah. But they all went to NetJets because Net NetJets is or like all these com, uh, corporate um part one thirty fives 
um, are paying like in immense amounts of money. Like my cousin flies a Falcon 2000 for some smaller 135. And he took a week long trip to the Bahamas. He did like two legs flying over there and literally got made like eight, 10 grand just from s sitting on the island. I think money is a big part of it. Um, but I disagree with the idea that raising the retirement age would help this. Maybe yeah. maybe in the short term at like the legacy carries, but um, as a long-term solution, I would say no. Um, there's never going to be a shortage of people who want to fly for Delta. There's never going to be a shortage of people who want to fly for United. Right. There's never going to be a shortage of people who want to fly for American. So what the regional airlines are doing, and I saw this with Envoy in particular, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about this. What's pilot pay looking like for a first-year regional airline first officer well it's certainly a lot more than it has been in the past 10 years i mean with in light of covid uh slowing down and having more opportunity we see like envoy for example i think they have like i think they raise they raised their first first year salaries to like fifty six thousand dollars or something or it was it was considerably more than it used to be so let's let's play let's play a little game what is they? What is the first year um, hourly rate for a first officer and envoy? If you, ha if either of you had to take uh, a guess, I have it in front of me right now. Is it a Give give me like a, a a wide range. Well, it's just first year, so like you know, you think you know hourly on average rate. you're probably looking at forty or fifty dollars per flight hour, right? Oh, it's definitely more than that now, though. I would say like at least a hundred. Somewhere not close to what. I'd say at least a hundred, like one hundred twenty-five, maybe. That's my guess. It's nine. It's ninety dollars an hour. Huh. Um, and the and the most you can fly, I believe the most you can fly in one in part one twenty-one is a thousand hours a year. Throw in per diem and all that other fun Dang. stuff. You can make you can make almost six figures your first year at an airline like. I mean, that's boy. if you're and, busting your butt, though. Well, yeah. And, and to be fair, crew scheduling you, so, is is not that great at big at regionals well that well also the demand is really high for these flights though so these pilots are taking overtime to fill these flights true which that is them making easy six yeah. figures if they're really taking wanting those overtime hours yeah so i would agree so i actually so i actually have um i'm gonna run through this really quick and i think we can kind of close it out with this at envoy this is not an advertisement. I promise you. I'm just reading what the website. No, I've says. seen. I've I've seen um, the 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 articles. If you're an envoy or cadet, for example, if you start off as a as a cadet, you get a hundred and eighty thousand dollars worth of bonuses. Not all at once, obviously, but over the course of your time, you get a fifteen thousand dollar cadet bonus. Wait, did you say a hundred and eighty thousand? That's like over the course. That's like from the time you start off as a cadet, oh, okay, I believe, okay. until until you flow through to American. Okay. So, basically, what happens is. Um, after your first year as an FO, you get $5,000. After year two as an FO, you get $15,000. And then let's fast forward. Dang. After your second year as a captain, you get a $40,000 bonus. And then when you flow to American Airlines, you make $180,000. Total. You make $180,000. Or sorry. You make $180,000 total. Yeah. That's still, the, the that's bonus still a lot get, of money. You get twenty five thousand dollars in bonuses when you when you flow through. That's insane. So yeah. retention is a problem at the regional airlines. I think that's why these airlines are largely impacted. But that's about. I mean, I but have. yeah, that also leads to the service of smaller airports being cut. Yeah, because you see all these um, these guys who are like 
only at the regionals to to like speed through it and and get to the to the big carrier and then all these like old guys who are instructors on the on the airplane or who are long time long term captains are sitting there with less pay uh probably worse working conditions to be fair and it just kind of goes to show you why this is a big struggle in the aviation industry well i think it all boils down to a pilot shortage yeah i wouldn't necessarily agree that it's an air traffic control problem as much as it is a, a pilot shortage so um yeah i think uh, we're ready to move on so we spent the last like 15 minutes or however long talking about you know airline delays and cancellations and you know what some of the airlines are doing to retain their pilots um etc but let's talk about what one of the legacy carriers is involved with right now so the pilot union, uh, the union that represents Delta pilots, they wrote a letter to management basically saying uh, they basically voted no confidence um, in flight operations. And part of this is because uh, kind of like what we were discussing earlier, flight operations um, had cut training resources. And another thing that is worth mentioning is just the lack of um, overall feedback that management is taking from the pilots um you know in this letter they read in part that um, they've lost confidence in flight operations crew resources and flight training and standards and that they are concerned for the long-term health of delta and um they basically are calling out management saying that their poor decisions have led to inadequate staffing, uh, fatiguing schedules, and an unreliable operation. The letter goes on to say that the Delta pilots are long-term stakeholders in our great company. Pilots have a figurative 30,000-foot perspective and a distinctive ability to provide valuable insight that cannot be re replicated uh, from the cubicles and offices at headquarters. So I think this is something that is worth discussing in that um, the pilots, as the letter says, they are long-term stakeholders in their respective airlines. Well, in most cases, the legacy carriers, not so much if you're in a regional airline, but but they but they are involved in day-to-day -day flight operations. They have so much input that they can provide. Do you think that this is something that could really replace what management is saying? Like, you mean like uh, create change in the company? I, I think that the general gist of it is should feedback um you know should the should management maybe engage a little bit more in taking feedback from these pilots i think absolutely because well first off the pilots are the ones flying the airplane you know if they're not happy with their working conditions then there's going to be problems like they're going to so leave think, the airline and think... go embark on other adventures exactly so my thing is that, I mean, if 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 the, if you had what was it like thirteen thousand pilots or how many people assigned uh, this? Thirteen thousand eight hundred. The the unit. The oh, four, Okay, so fourteen thousand pilots are feeling this way, and I I don't think that I don't think that's good personally. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want somebody flying my plane that's unhappy with their company. And I I feel like they're but the comment that. And quoting the letter, pilots have a figure of thirty thousand foot perspective. Jared said that earlier. Yeah. It's to me that's what well, it is. What they're saying is they're saying that they're front, they're flying and 
being a big part in operating the business and they're having no say yeah. the man headquarters you have, is you don't have happy pilot or you don't have pilots in general you don't have the airline. headquarters isn't taking into account what these pilots are feeling they're going oh this is good for money we're going to do this 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 do this yeah. and the pilots aren't getting any say and they are long-term stakeholders of the company and they're not getting any say which is a big issue yeah. A nice comparison that I like to make, and I don't want to, tr- I don't want to get too off topic with this, but like I'm from the Boston area originally, and the MBTA, which is our public transit system, is like notorious um, for being incredibly mismanaged over the past few decades, and you know it's gone into so much debt, etc. Um, and the people who make these decisions are often people who have absolutely no experience riding public transit. Um, so this is just a comparison, right? And Yeah, yeah, I see where you're going with that. Like, yeah. These people in management have no idea what the pilots are experiencing. They're just making these decisions kind of like unanimously and then... Making the decisions because the they pilot, think it's going to make pilots, them the most money. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a big money game, I guess. You know, air, I guess that's what that's what airlines are, right? I mean, it's I mean, air, money airlines are businesses, you know, and that's the reality, yeah. right? They are they are there to you know they're there to provide a service to the public obviously but when they are trying to make money they are trying to support their shareholders like corners you think they're cutting corners i wouldn't say cutting corners because on paper what they're doing is perfectly legal um not res- so not, not respecting not their workers is what i'm getting yeah, out of it yeah, not necessarily in a legal sense just like um they're cutting corners socially to maybe um hinder their operations like i wouldn't say happiness but um overall content with the company and they're going to go ahead and make other decisions that would bring in more money but not necessarily more content with their um employees yeah that- and i think that that's problem that's a problem with not just not just airlines like big corporations all over the world well, I think the number one thing is, you know, yeah, these pilots aren't very happy with Delta, but they want they want it to be better. They love their job. They love what they do, and they love working for Delta. Um, they're not happy with the airline, and and I think that's, you know, what they're they're really saying here is, you know, we're not happy, but we we have you know suggestions, oh. and one thing to remember is that. You know, when they cut training resources by that 25% figure, you should remember yeah. that's not just for new pilots. That's for pilots who need to go through recurrent training. Yep. That's for pilots who are upgrading to captain. Those are pilots who are switching aircraft types because that does happen as well. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of pilots, as a result, um, they lost their currency and they were put on yep. different aircraft, you know, they they were swapped around between different aircraft and, you know, they had to get, you know, they had to get retrained on a, the new aircraft that they were flying. Oh, yeah. I know, a, I know a guy who went between the A320 at Delta, who went between the A320, the 75 and the 73 in a matter of like six months. There's this one guy I know of who, um, I think he started off in like the 717 and then he went to the 75, he went to the 76 
Oh, is that that Sergio guy? Um, I forgot who. Pilot Sergio. Pilot. I don't. I don't think. Oh, I forgot who it was. I, I think I, I know who you're talking. I think about. it might have been him actually. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that, that's, and that's I think he's like. Instagram, I think he's yeah. being like upgraded to seven thirty seven captain or something in a few months. Yeah. But who you know maybe that could have maybe that could have changed. Um, I think the point being though is that when you cut training resources, it just it doesn't just affect new pilots. It affects everyone. Yeah, everyone, you know, everyone has to go through a current, and a yeah. lot of pilots are going to have to switch aircraft types. And you know, a lot of the newer FOs who've been with the company for a few years, guess what? They're going to upgrade to captain soon, and they need to receive training for that. So, um, all in all, um, increase your training resources. That's the number one thing I would say here. And don't screw over your pilots, especially whenever they're not happy with you. I think that's a given. (laughs) I think one of the big giant points in this letter is, I'm going to quote the letter again. Uh, When the COVID-19 pandemic hit the U.S. airline industry, we negotiated for special incentive lines, or SILs, um, which those allowed was supposed to allow pilots to bid like a monthly schedule for no work obligations and a reduced salary. Um... Is um, is that I I'm, I'm that's what I'm taking is what those instead of being furloughed was the, what those pilots agreed to Jared. I I'm not uh, a, yeah I I'm well, I didn't really read that like in enough detail but, um, but you know. Well, I know they took a pay cut for sure, but I don't know if it was. Well, anyways, the pilots who the were pilot, supposed to be furloughed did, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, the pilots agreed to that, yeah. but it it look it did not happen, um, and that's one thing the. Delta pilots aren't happy with. Yeah, I feel like this 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 is like the Martin Luther thing that he's stamped stamped his uh, or he bolted his um, grievances to the door of the church, and I feel like this is what the pilots are kind of doing. They're like, all right, here's what we're saying. This is all. This is the problems that we're facing, and this is what you need to fix. These are our grievances. And at the end of the day. Um... You know, this is not going to be a solution that comes within a day. It's not going to come in within a week. It's going to oh, yeah, it's going to be a long process and the public is going to feel it uh, for a while until the airlines for lack of a better way of putting it straighten out their act because they're yeah. because there's there's a lot going on and uh you know, I I've I've traveled a couple of times um over the last few months and you know i haven't really been too affected thankfully and that just gives us i guess an an appreciation for the work that pilots do not only for pilots though but flight attendants gate agents ramp agents anybody else at the airline exactly because they it's all one big well-oiled machine yeah because the thing that i would say management at delta needs to remember is that this is you know an airline any airline it's it's an essential service you know we you know they serve the public at the end of the day and yeah. they go from point you know their job is to get their customers from point a to point b safely and that's really all it is yeah and i think they do it really well so the fact that we are seeing these sort of pop-ups or especially like for example in this letter this just goes to show the, the like the depth of all the perhaps uh unrest at airlines that maybe could be happening elsewhere that we just may not be hearing. I think this is all just a wake-up call, to be honest. The pandemic just led to this wake-up call, Um, which I think will benefit... The pandemic is like the big culprit. I think it'll benefit us in the long run because we'll have better um, pillars to support businesses. 
yeah. because you know they, I, every, they've found all these falters in their plan, and we can see and now you can see how a big world event like a pandemic can affect these big, right. big businesses. Yes. Yeah, especially airlines because you know whenever we were during COVID, no one was traveling, so the airlines had no one to fly, so they made no profit, so they furloughed all these pilots. Well, and you know what they do see the like repercussions. Industries like like food service, you know, there's a pandemic. People are still buying food. It doesn't really affect you as much. It depends on the business, but you know, at the end of the day, well, um, I mean, to be fair, like, it, yeah, yeah, like, like all, all I'll say is this: you know, in the case of like pilots, flight attendants, basically any professional in the aviation industry, um, the people who are best at their jobs are those people who are always willing to learn. So, so pilots, for example, and flight attendants, et cetera, you know, mm -hmm. the, the best of the best, they will think to themselves each and every day, you know, I probably did pretty well today, but how can I do better tomorrow? And I hope that's what management's thinking at these airlines, you know, what can we do as a team to make this airline better for our pilots, for our flight attendants, for all of our employees, and let's not forget our customers. Yeah, and I think this letter is just a big call to action, like, hey, wake up, guys. We're here. We we exist, too, and we have opinions on certain things. So I would, we would like to see this, 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 and this happen, and that would make our working conditions a lot better. Well, only time will tell, I suppose. So, so far, we've basically talked about the problems going around in recent news in our aviation industry. Let's move into something a little bit more uplifting. This weekend being the weekend of 4th of July is, I think we can all say this is a, it's a busy, busy weekend Very for busy. the for the airline industry. I was industry. supposed to be flying this weekend. Oh my gosh, I'm glad that I'm not. I don't want to deal with that. What happens when busy? You get long queue lines at TSA, a check-in, passengers are missing their flight, getting angry. All these things that airlines don't want to don't want to deal with. And one airline, however, it's Delta um, is, 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 has issued this travel waiver for this weekend. And I'm going to quote the Delta's News Hub article here. The airline is issuing a system-wide fare tra difference travel waiver for July 1st through the 4th, which allows customers to rebook their trip to before or after potentially challenging weekend travel days. And this comes with an, a no fare change or as long as you're, tra you're connecting in the same... Uh, you're traveling between the same origin and destination. Same, yeah, origin and destination. Yeah. Um, I think this is a huge step for making customers happy because it's a making customers happy and b easing the load and and. I mean, I know, I know, airlines. I don't think just Delta, but I know United has done this before, uh, for like Thanksgiving weekend because Thanksgiving weekend is a really really busy weekend for travel as well. So whenever you have people that are willing to wait a few days. It's definitely going to ease the load for the airline, for not just the airline, but also airport staff. It eases have... the load for everything. It makes everything yeah. happy. It spreads out travel, so not everybody's traveling at the same time. Right. And you don't have to deal with, like, overbooking issues or, you know, weather. If there's weather and you have to change the plane and the plane is smaller, you have people that can't make it on. Or and... angry passengers not wanting to book their bag or check their baggage at the gate because exactly. the overhead compartments are full. Yeah. There's so much stuff that happens during busy weekends and busy is, routes. I think this is a really good idea for Delta. And I think and, I think other major US carriers and maybe not just the US but well I guess I 
if they need to, every, they, they, they need to follow suit and they need to start doing yeah. stuff like this too because it makes everybody happy well, yeah because customers are definitely going to be feeling like okay well there's already I exhaustion and traveling that. you're just i'm i'm the customer and i'm paying hundreds of if not thousands of dollars and i you know i know people that have flown on airlines um in the u.s and have had huge problems with overbooking had huge problems with um, check baggage because okay let me tell you this kind of sidetracking but so the last time I flew into Atlanta on Delta um, <clears throat> we changed planes at the gate but all of our luggage was already on that that plane that we were supposed to be originally on that was going to Atlanta so we switched flights and I you know didn't really think much of okay I'll still have my baggage at, whenever I get to Atlanta so whenever I got there my bag was in like New York or something and I had to wait like six hours at the airport for for a flight to bring it in so that that i mean that's just like a sidetrack thing but well uh, it goes to show you the busyness like the busyness of air, of how things can get whenever there's big congestion and whatnot it can be it can be a big nightmare it can be a huge yeah. nightmare traveling especially on a holiday you know you go back 30 40 years not trying to sidetrack too much more but but like you know air travel used to be something that everyone looked forward to now it's just a complete ordeal um oh, yeah so a couple of things that i would say and again I'm, this is not an advertisement for any one company or organization okay but um i would say first don't check your bags like seriously don't check your bags um you know, yeah, it's... but the problem with that was I had this giant suitcase that was like 80 pounds and I had to pay like $50 extra yeah. to check it. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. You like, have to then check it, but like if you have a small suitcase, just Yeah, I usually take try it and with travel you. with like a, at most like a duffel bag. Yeah, something that I can fit in the overhead. Try to try to pack light and, and get familiar with the aircraft that you're flying on. If you're flying on like, you know, an Airbus or a 737 or something, you know, you can bet, you can imagine, you know, the overhead bins are going to be pretty spacious pretty big pretty sizable but if you're yeah. flying on a crj 200 like like i can barely fit my backpack in one of those i would I, I, at that point what i usually do if i'm on a regional jet i, I bring my my carry-on or whatever and i just check it at the gate because you don't have to pay extra and it's, it's usually just a good idea so you don't have to deal with the hassle of the overheads because those are some pretty tiny overheads yeah exactly and the other thing that i would say is get tsa pre-check like pre-check first and foremost you should get 100 percent. it's it's 80 it's 80 so worth it. it's 85 dollars for five years if you want to travel international a lot then so then don't get tsa pre-check instead get global entry because it comes with pre-check anyways i believe um uh is that that like portal thing that the like kiosks at um at I believe so. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. So like, get so get TSA pre-check, or if you travel abroad a lot, get Global Entry because it comes with it. And then for those of you like, have you heard of Clear? Either of you like Clear? Yeah, is, Clear. Yeah. I I no. I tried it like last year for a little while, and I, I just, haven't really done much research. Is it is that is that like a passport like a uh, port of entry thing? So I so I tried Clear last year, and I didn't, and I got rid of my membership, but I actually reinstated my membership. Um, a couple months ago and how it works is you they take your they scan your eyes and they scan your fingerprints um, mm -hmm. and then you go to like one of the kiosks at an airport <clears throat> and when you know after you check in or whatever you go to one of those clear kiosks and they scan your eyes or they scan your fingerprints and then that skips the first line that you stand in at security oh, yeah. you know the line Clearing you customs no no this isn't oh no that's not clearing yeah yeah, that's, yeah you're, that's, you're not clearing yeah. this isn't clearing customs you're just you're skipping that line you're in 
when you're waiting to get your ID checked. Whereas like, well, of course, bring your ID or passport or whatever, but, Mm -hmm. but that basically skips the TSA ID check and you go straight to, you know, the x-ray machines and all of that. Yeah. And to be fair, it also goes, go like, you can extend this to like, if you travel like certain times of the day when you're traveling, you know, it's not going to be as busy. So like for me, I usually like to travel early in the morning or late at night because one, there's not going to be those giant lines and two, it's a lot, not only safer, but a lot simpler. So I think like for passengers to be conscious of that, like knowing the busy times of the airport you're flying into or out of is could also help with the flow of traffic in the airport and overall the just um or or just get to the airport early and and i would say yeah but i mean that still doesn't help with the fact like if you're flying out of laguardia and you show up at three in the afternoon you're not waking it through security within two hours it depends it it depends like like for me i have clear and pre-check i can arrive at the airport an hour before my flight and be fine yeah, but but if that's, but that's the thing. Like but if you have but if you like if you don't if have basic if you don't yeah. have any of that, then you're not going through. And, and the other thing I would say is get familiar with the app that your airline has. Some airlines have better apps than others. Like Delta's app is really I love nice. United's app. United's app I would imagine is pretty good too. I love United's app. It's it's freaking amazing. I remember um because you know airline algorithms only do so much. I was I actually went to St. Louis a couple months ago, and I you know I flew out of Boston. I went to Detroit. Um, Boston. <laughs> I I'm anyways. I missed my connecting flight in Detroit, which I didn't miss it. It turns out said flight got canceled. Um, oh. But this is this was Delta, so be ready to hear a little bit of the Delta difference. But um, basically, what mm-hmm. happened was I missed my connecting flight. In reality, got canceled. More on that later. Um, so they try to stick me on this flight at like 9 p.m. And it's like, you know, 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. And I'm at the Detroit airport. I'm like, absolutely not. So yeah, no, so, not so I go into the hours. so I go into the Delta app and I put myself on a flight at like 1230. So um, that was easy. How does that work? Wait, did you have to pay extra? Nope, or? not at all. I, I didn't you just transferred. Oh, because on the app, it'll tell you if it, if it got canceled or removed or whatever. The flight got removed and... Um, it put me on a flight for like 9 p.m., but I looked at a list of other flights, and the next one was at yeah. uh, at like noon or 12:30, and I just went for it. The next day, um, the next day I get an email, or not even the next day, like that same day, I get an email from Delta saying, "Here's 7,500 bonus miles," and I'm like, "Oh, thank you so much, Delta. I appreciate That's it." That's the Delta difference. There you man. go. <laughs> not a Delta yeah, advertisement, I, I promise. A couple years ago, I was I was heading back from Michigan. I was in Detroit. And, um, I, I was on time for my flight and everything. I got to the gate and I'm like, why, what's all the ruckus in here? What's going on? And I look up at the sky and there's just this giant cell, this giant cloud just sitting over the airport. I go on the radar. It's literally only like you, you could go in within a 20 mile radius. There'd be no clouds. And the only reason like, so there's this giant cloud over the airport and the whole airport shut down because no one can take off. And I, I was there, my flight left at like probably 12 in the afternoon, so to like noon around there. And I didn't leave the airport. I did, we didn't actually board the plane until like 7, 8 p.m. And, you know, like whatever, you can't do anything about the weather. And then the next morning, whenever I woke up, I woke up to an email. And I was like, sorry about the inconvenience. Here's some bonus miles. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to argue too much with that. Yeah. So. 
yeah, all, all, difference. <laughs> difference. Ultimately, er, ultimately, airlines should do their best to take care of you, and things happen that are and are not within the airlines' I know some control. Horror stories, man. I don't, I don't know if we have enough time to get into every single horror story. <laughs> I know but, some horror stories, dude. But but no, what I would say is pretty simple. Again, to sum it all up. Um, get clear and or TSA pre-check. Don't check your bag if you can. Obviously, if you have to, you have to. Um, yeah. Arrive at the airport in plenty of time. If you don't have pre-check, I would arrive at least two hours early, if not more, depending on what time of day you're going. Early in the yeah. morning is usually best because there's early in the morning is best. There's like minimal delays in the morning compared to like the afternoon hours. Um, yeah. And, you know, in my case, if you miss a connecting flight or it gets canceled, you have more opportunities and you don't have to sleep on the airport floor overnight when the airline. Yeah, what I would recommend for that kind of situation, like you miss your flight or it gets canceled or whatever, like if you're on a carrier that doesn't have one of those special apps, just go talk to a gate agent or like the gate agent that you're supposed to be at because they, they, they can hook you up with whatever because like I, I know Delta United do this like. Even even if your flight's not delayed, you walk up to them and be like, "Hey, uh, I see that you put me in aisle seat. Can you move me to window seat?" They're like, "Yeah, sure, I'll move you. No biggie." And it's just like that. So they're they're definitely helpful and they're definitely there to help you. All right, so um, that pretty much is all we have as far as you know what we're going to discuss tonight. Needless to say, I think we talked a little bit too much about Delta. <laughs> I pro- you know, as I, as I've alluded <laughs> oh, yeah. to. We're not biased. We're not biased. I've alluded to. We're not biased. I've alluded to this multiple times. Like this is not a Delta <laughs> advertisement. Um, but Delta Delta is just a good airline, man. Like, it's not. I spent all. We, we, well, we, okay, just, had, I spent we just had two my, Delta stories that we all my time in college, tonight. flying to and from college. I flew on Delta every time. So <laughs> there was that. I've never had a bad experience on Delta, and I've flown them hundreds of times. Yeah. So I, I think um, at the end of the day, it's um, the the first lesson we could, I guess, learn from this is that diverse, a little more diversification. You know, aviation's a pretty specialized industry, but um, in the future, you guys can expect uh, a little more diversification in what we discuss. Big industry. Hundred percent. I think what led the Delta talk was with two of the three topics specifically, yeah, or Delta central. So that's something that we can, we can probably branch off. I mean, to be fair, like um, with the, with the topics that we had, there was a lot of um, things that uh, um, had to do with Delta that were kind of like little side notes that we kind of branched off but to. We, so, but with kinda, that, you know, there's a lot more everything. we could discuss, right? Like. Um, We've talked about briefly uh, the essential air service. I think I think our next episode we should definitely talk a little bit more about the essential air service. Yeah, we could do a, we could we could do an entire Honestly, episode about the essential yeah, guys, be, air so service. So be on the lookout. Few, think, you know, one of sure. our future episodes, whenever that may be, is going to be on the essential air service because that is such a that like just talking about that it opens up a whole. It's not only a giant importance. operation; it's like been going it's on essential, for so long. as the name implies. <laughs> it's essential. It's essential. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think everything we talked about was pretty solid. And look out for better conversations. I think we had, hey, think we had a pretty good so, set of conversations tonight. Um, yeah. But next time, 
you know, it's not going to be about the Delta difference. It's going to be about the United difference or the American <laughs> Airlines difference or... Is there a United difference? Though? I don't know. I, I haven't flown on United <laughs> in like five years, so I wouldn't know. Living in Houston... I've flown United a lot recently, and I honestly am... Yeah, living in Houston, I, I fly on United quite a lot. And I'm, it, I've had my fair share of bad experiences, but all in all, I think it's a pretty solid airline. They have a pretty solid product, and they have good... Um, members they have good employees they have good customers. so i think service, what i got so. from this is like another episode we're gonna talk about we're, we're gonna you know go on go on a trip each of us flying a different airline and then we're gonna come together and just discuss it okay like i'm gonna fly on like delta or JetBlue, and then evan's gonna fly on united uh and then lucas like don't you have to fly to go to school like you know where you go to college you have to fly cape air into an airport right You know, I'm, my is in there. I, if you I'm, know, I'm from, Cape Air. Hey, I lived, yeah. I lived in the Boston area my entire life, but I've never <laughs> ever flown on Cape Air. So I think that would be a really awesome opportunity if I could do that at some point. It's either. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of more, op- more opportunity in the aviation industry for everybody. There's a lot of cool experiences. That's why I love aviation so much because it's just, it's just every awesome, time. Man. There's just so there's just so much aviation travel. That's just something I really enjoy, right? Like, and and every time I weigh it out, you know, do I take this trip for three hundred bucks, or do I, or do I, <laughs> or do you spend more money no, to go through Denver? No, no I wasn't even going to talk about that. Like, do I spend three hundred dollars on this like two day trip that I'm going to take? Do I spend three hundred dollars on that, or do I go to my do I go to my home airport, Hanscom Field? And pay three hundred dollars for an hour and a half in a warrior. What's it going to be? Not hey, that's a not decision. really. If it's if it's like a really cheap trip, I I I almost I almost I mean. Yeah, but I mean it depends. It depends yeah. on the destination. Like if you pay three hundred dollars to go to New York, I don't know why you would do that. Whenever you can pay three hundred dollars to take I mean, an hour I, and a half hey, in there. Hey hey hey! But I if love you're going New York to like City. The Bahamas or something. I okay, all right. Well, we could we could talk about New York. We could talk about LaGuardia in another. I'm not episode. even going to talk about my experience at the airport. <laughs> yeah, there's just a ton right, of well, topics. So, yeah, I think we can leave it at that. Thanks for listening to the Lot Up and Wait podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LUAW underscore podcast and follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LUAW podcast. Well, you've been holding your possession for more than 90 seconds. So with that, you are clear for takeoff.